Welcome to the Love Cars on the Grid podcast, your global motorsport roundup with me, Tiffany Dell and Paul Woodman. Welcome to episode 10 of Love Cars on the Grid, where this week we go from Monaco to Mallory Park, plus much, much more. Tiff, what have you got to say about this weekend? No, we're not talking about Mallory Park first. I, I know you just want to talk about Mallory Park. We have to move on to really the more important event of the weekend, which was the Monaco Grand Prix, which, of course, was a sad bore fest for everyone that sat through it. But it asked Monte Carlo every year and... Um, it happens, and Max Verstappen now leads the championship by four points. So um, all good to Max. Disaster for Lewis. Couldn't get the Mercedes working at all around there. It's funny, it's all due to this. The whole season is going to be this, which track suits the low-rate, long-wheelbase Merck, and which track suits the shorter, tilted um, system, for the high-rake of, of um, the Red Bulls. Because, of course, it's all about getting your tyres warm, and on the low grip streets, the Mercedes couldn't get the temperature up. Um, and that worked in Spain, it worked to his advantage because Verstappen wears his tyres out more, whereas the low rake lets the tyres last longer because it doesn't overheat them. And that's what Lewis was fighting all weekend because he couldn't really get the tyres to work uh, with the concept it's, of their car. It is funny, but it's funny that you say disaster for Max. By the way, a very good uh, journalist, automotive journalist friend of mine, once said, it's not a disaster in motor racing if something bad happens. A disaster is an earthquake or a volcano that destroys. That was me, wasn't it? It was you. That, that told was me that. That told you that. Yeah. So it was very. Uh, it was. It was a disaster for um, uh, Charles Leclerc uh, in in your world. Yeah. But, uh, what a poor. Oh. I think the whole of the world, uh, automotive world, not just Monaco, felt terrible for for Charles. Must be terrible. You you set the fastest lap in your hometown, oh. home city, home country. And uh, you can't even start the race, not even from the back, which was a bad decision, I guess, from from Ferrari. But we've all got a PhD. I, I think there'll be a big inquiry at Ferrari because if it, it was the left-hand side drive shaft that failed, and everybody knows that the impact goes through to the other side. I mean, it's sort of common sense. And if they actually didn't replace that part, someone's going to be uh, in trouble at Ferrari. I think because uh, it wasn't the side he hit; it was the other side that broke. But let's talk about quality for a second because they're talking now about changing the rules and they're saying, oh, Max, uh, 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 Charles may be penalised for for um, ruining the rate, for ruining the pole position times or the potential pole position times for, for the others. So he didn't mean to crash. I mean, if you if you do what Rosberg did a few years ago and you go on in in, in the hairpin, maybe that's sort of you know that's a bit debatable. But it was, it was Shuey, wasn't it? Shumacher, Shumacher famously, yeah. And Bottas was the one that went down the escape. Oh, no, Rosberg. Yeah, Rosberg went down the escape road. Um, Mirabeau. So now you've got to leave it. It is. You can't muck about with his. You know, you can certainly punish drivers if there's you know, obvious evidence that they, as they did with Schumacher, when he obviously just blocked the road. <laughs> it made such an embarrassing effort of it. Um, but no, certainly Charles didn't mean to to clip that barrier and go head on into the wall. Uh, that's for sure. So, but no, it was. It was I mean, you know. I, the great thing is if Leclerc had got into the lead, I think he would have held up a train of cars, you know, because Max would have been all over him for the laps. And But instead, you know, they all spread up out and went round and round. And the only real excitement was when Vettel um, is it undercut, overcut um, <laughs> both Gasly and Hamilton. Lewis was going great. <laughs> he was spitting feathers. <laughs> but the director went away from the shot, didn't he? As Vettel came out to see if he could do the overcut, 
And it was only later we saw the onboard shots of him um, side by side with he, Gasly going up the hill to Casino Square and a bit of uh, bravery going on there. Sebastian was, Vettel, the, the director was the star on, of the day, you know. Well, he, he did well. I was pleased for Aston Martin. I think the director at that time was uh, on on a good Bordeaux or something because how can you miss <laughs> one of the most crucial parts of the, the, the whole race? And Monaco, i got to say I love Monaco, but it is for the spectators. It is for the experience. It is not... For yeah. it's not, for, it's I mean, it's a spectator when you're there, it's not a spectator sport on, on TV, it's a boring, boring, boring <laughs> race. Whoever's in but front then, so is Barcelona, you know, you can't overtake in great open track like Barcelona, just certain circuits, you don't know, need either certain corners redesigned, which I think you could do it through the, the big circuits, you can't do that at Monaco. So, you either what you could do is, is drive over the top of the swimming pool. The old Grand Prix, where famously uh, Jack Brabham crashed on the last corner at the hairpin, had the great big long run down to the hairpin before they, they came back up. And there was no squiggling past the swimming pool because it wasn't there. So it actually used to be quite a decent straight into a tight hairpin, but um, I don't think you can rebuild that now. No, they, they, they're, they're all about making it a little bit faster, but we have to, of course, mention uh, uh, Lando, the boy wonder. Yes. God, Another wonder, Ricardo is well, and, and Perez, who should have been there. You know, Perez still the big question mark of this poor old, you know, Red Bull number two. So all he's doing is the same as Gasly and, and Albon did. You know, he's qualifying badly and then making the places. I mean, he overcut all three of them, didn't he? Because he came, he was behind Vettel and he jumped Vettel, Hamilton, and Gasly because he had a, such a quick car in the race and he was closing on Lando hand over fist at the end. You know, but I don't think Lando would have got to let him by. But, you know, I mean, I mean what is what is, what is Perez? He actually topped P1 Perez, uh, the very first session. From then on, he was always half a second down on Max. And, you know, this is what Red Bull sacked Gasly and sacked Album for, because they want someone, you know, finishing second behind Max when, when they have the car to do so. And he really should have been on the podium instead of Lando, maybe even, even Carlos. But uh, big question mark still there, I think, with, with uh, Perez. Yeah, yeah, I agree. In terms of pit stops, we'll mention Baltry in a minute, but the fastest pit stop was Red Bull again. <laughs> Just over two seconds, two, 2.02. Well seconds. done, Paul. I'm glad you're always there with my pit Max. stop statistician. Fastest so, how, how long was Bottas's stop then, Then, please, te uh, oh, tactician? Could you well, tell me what it, how long it was? Well, I can. It's very easy because he didn't <laughs> even come out again. Oh, what a mess up. And Mercedes... Oh. Tactically, they didn't get that right. I mean, that was just one of those things, I guess. It happens occasionally. Well, and he was such a good weekend. You know, he was acing, uh, you know, Hamilton. So he was having a really good weekend in a difficult car. It was probably one of Valtteri's better drives, you know, but what, and that with the wheel. But, Tiff, was that a good drive from him or was it just an awful weekend for Lewis? Because Lewis was never, ever on the pace. He started seventh. Well, uh, you know, Valtteri made the best of a Mercedes. Yeah. You know, Valtteri made the best of the Mercedes that weekend. Um Whereas Lewis didn't, <laughs> it was uh, not good at all. But but you say that too, of course. They had as well. Oh, sorry, yeah. No, uh, finally on on that, I was just going to say, but you know, Lewis came in and did the old tactical one extra point uh, for the fastest lap. So he, he you know he cannot obviously he obviously can maneuver it around there when he needs to, but he just <laughs> he wasn't on it this weekend. And and you're right, no. uh, F two in Monaco as well. That's exciting. They sound. Flipping good around those streets, don't they? <laughs> yeah, but I can't talk too much because they ruined my Formula 2 with these double reverse green races on Thursday and Friday. And around Monaco, to put the 10th the best qualifier, was on pole for the first race and won easily. Zhao, you know, and there's all Monaco winner, chicken dinner, you know. <laughs> He's gifted it for being the 10th best driver. And that 
you know, Formula Two is, is so important for these young drivers. They're trying to get super license points. Uh, they're trying to prove their skill to the team managers and, you know, to be in the frame. And when the guy that's on the pole sees Zhao, you know, on the podium, getting all the press and champagne, um, you know, I'm sorry, but Formula Two needs to be meritorious. It's not a BTC showboating formula where you penalise people when they're quick and put them on the back of the grid. You know, it's so critical for these drivers to show who is the best driver over the year and winning the most races and not turning them upside down, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you with F2, and we both play a little bit of golf badly, I hasten to add. But as they say in golf, there's no pitches on the scorecard. So in a year's time, yeah. we're looking to put people into F1. They don't say, oh, yeah, but he won that from the, you know, they just say he's yeah. got the most points. He was he won F2. So yeah. it's... it's uh, and there was some story. good news for Britain because Dan Tickton won the second sprint race. So although he inherited that when uh, the, the winner got disqualified. So, so at least Dan Tickton won. Uh, Dan Tickton should have finished third in the main race, uh, the feature race, but unfortunately made a bit of a bold overtaking move. He's still fourth in the points. But I mean, the real story, when we get past two bash-crash sprint races, is, you know, 17-year-old French sensation Théo Porcher, who, um, you know, he qualified on pole and led a very boring feature race from start to finish. And he was the standout massive talent uh, I don't even know where he finished the sprint race. I think he finished like eighth and sixth or something, having been put upside down. But uh, we should all just remember Theo Pusher, winner of the feature race in the Formula 2, 17 years old. I think we'll hear a lot more from him. Yeah, I think so as well. Formula 1 star of the future, no doubt. Moving on. Mm, World Rally. Well, that's good news. WRC, very good news. Well, for, for if you're a Brit... It's exceptionally good news because it was, well, it was a funny, yes, because, you know, Elfin Evans won. And after Which two rallies, about, you know, yeah. the end of last year, he was pipped to the post by his teammate, Sebastian Ogier. It was finally, he got his Toyota Yaris home first. Um, but it was a bit of a dull rally. You know, the, it's still slightly frustrating rallying because it's the most spectacular, skillful sport when you see one car going through these twists and turns. Um, but, you know, the, the, the Heimdall challenge petered out when both uh, Tanak and Nouvelle, you know, trying too hard, took a wheel off. So we lost the two leading Hyundais. Um, Sebastian Ogier, because he's championship leader, it's a bit like Formula E, where the champions, or well, the top six in the championship, have to go in the first qualifying session. But often in Formula E, the track's still dirty, the streets are sandy, so they can't qualify very well. Well, now in rallying, you have this reverse order for the, who leads the field out on day one has to be the championship leader. So Ogier's dusting the road, and when it's on the, on the loose stages like Portugal, you know, he's just so slow for the first day that, you know, you, he knows he's not got a chance of winning the, the Portugal rally. So it's, it's, a, it's a slightly frustrating world rally. Not that many, you know, top people running. There's only really the three Hyundais versus the three the Toyotas as the, the two Fords aren't really on the pace. So although Elfin won, it was brilliant. It wasn't a very exciting rally overall. Um, Danny Sordo, the sort of the high-end-eye survivor for his second, he's more of a tarmac specialist, although Portugal's almost his home country. Um, Ogier got back to finish third, because virtually everybody else sort of dropped back, and um, it was quite good for the Fords, because they picked up... No, it wasn't the Fords' fourth, because, uh, of course, the Japanese Tanaki... Where is his... Where's his name? I've got it. Takamoto Katsuda. Takamoto. And his best result in the, bringing the third Toyota home in fourth overall... Uh, the two forwards are fifth and sixth, which is a great run. Um, Gus Greensmith, our British entrant, uh, he was fifth. 
10 seconds ahead of his French teammate, Adrian Formeau. But uh, yeah, it just wasn't much toing and froing in the timesheets. Do, do you know uh, what? I don't, think I don't think Elfin will care <laughs> less about that. Congratulations <laughs> to him because we, he's been so close so many times. And he's now up to second in the points behind Sebastian Auger. So I agree. Even if it wasn't the most battle frenzied rally, it's the great thing that Elfin won it and deserved that win and he's now second in the championship. Yeah, absolutely. Where are we going next? You want to go to two super wheels? bikes? World super. Yes, that's some more super. You know, bikes are still so popular with Italian. We see on the internet, everybody uh, loves them. But in MotoGP, of course, we've got nobody to cheer on. Uh, we've got some Sam Lowe's, you know, battling out in Moto Two, but we've got no one in the top series that we haven't had for ages. And yet, super bikes dominate. Yeah, done so well there. <laughs> Jonathan Ray, the Northern Ireland hero, he's won the last six championships on the trot. And in the first race down in Spain the last week in Aragon, Motorland Aragon, he won his 100th superbike race. Brilliant. Absolutely um, brilliant. Race two was won by um, um, Scott Redding on his Ducati. Of course, Ray always on his Kawasaki. And in race two, the first four places were all Brits. Alex Lowe's on his Kawasaki was third. Tom Sykes on the BMW fourth. So it's, it's weird how we seem to why, why, have Superbike. Yeah, I don't why, know. I don't know. Is that series uh, suited to us so well? Is there any reason? I think, or I think just... we're chunkier Brits. I think there is a size <laughs> thing that, because Scott Redding had a couple of years on Ducati in MotoGP, but he couldn't quite, you know, get on the pace. And the Superbike's the bigger body, the bigger build, because there is that straight line problem. Whereas, you know, you look at MotoGP, there's a lot of these little Italians and Tiny Spanish guys, kids. Yeah. Um, you know, and it is a lot harder, I think, on MotoGP for a big rider to, to get... I might, might be totally... Um, please, comments. Yeah. Motorbike fans, can we have some comments on, on this, on our YouTube channel, Love Cars on the Grid? If you're listening on the podcast, pop over to the the, uh, the, the podcast. What's it on? On YouTube. Tell me. Spotify's and things. And tell me if it's this rider size that helps superbikes, or just tell me why Britain's not, so good at superbikes. Can I just qualify? Not there. MotoGP. Can I just qualify? My my esteemed colleague doesn't mean wider as in chunky; he just means bigger, taller, all round, <laughs> bigger bones. So, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that's. It's what like it's you know when you're at a catering, you know the bigger guys struggling with the little small blokes seem to be able to go quite quickly. Yeah, don't comment <laughs> on that anymore. <laughs> Is that is is that an appropriate time to to tell you about my um, weekend at Mallory Park? <laughs> Come on, all right, Mallory Park. <laughs> well, I was leaving. We were going to mention it early. We should have gone straight from Monaco to Mallory. Well, I jumped you ahead, and I cheated you out of your moment of glory because I was thinking of world. Um, but no, we do have to leave the world behind and come to Mallory Park, a little tiny track uh, near near Leicester. And um, the opening race of this year's Cater Academy. And our entry, we have a, a presenter who was about to become a racing driver. Paul, you were a star. Well, you held, upheld love cars magnificently, even though you got a bit carried away on the second lap of the race. You led for <laughs> at least, um, well, that half a second of 50 yards. You were definitely in the lead. But I mean, from fourth, uh, on the, fourth on the grid was good. You got to second off the line, beautiful start, clean, tidy, and then you lost your trolley completely going up to the hairpin on the second lap. You can see the lead. You can see glory coming. Instead, all you saw was the grass. 
but the most amazing recovery. You can tell me your story, but I just, but I have to be the way you recovered from going straight onto the hairpin. But of course, in my day, there was a big concrete wall and you would have had half a car left. But on a small little patch of grass, you did an amazing U-turn and rejoined the pack in about 15th or 16th and came back to a very, more overtaking than Monaco, just from Paul Woodman at Mallory Park when you got from 16th back to 6th. And, uh, how did it feel then, the whole race for you, your first motor race? Honestly, I, it was just incredible. The respect I have for professionals and amateurs uh, alike <laughs> all over the world that, that do this, uh, a massive respect. You know, the guys at Caterham who are brilliant, they, they, you do feel, you feel like you've made so many friends, but the, the guys at Caterham, they said, you will never win this race on the, on the first few laps. So just like your time. <laughs> that went in that year through my <laughs> tiny little brain and out the other year. Because you're right. I saw. I yeah. I was all over the the the, the guy that won it. Um, uh, yeah. Called Jeff Newman, um, who, no doubt, will see his name uh, quite a lot uh, in future races as well. Yeah. All over him. Felt so confident. Felt like I had so much pace. I, I I stupidly. I don't know whether this had anything to do with it. Probably not. But I changed my front brake pads the the afternoon before, and I left the bre- backs so they were. I'm sure it had nothing to do with it. And I think the biggest problem was I was going into the hairpin you know really showing him that i was there and you've got to use a bit of engine braking obviously and uh it goes without saying particularly in a little caterham and i fluffed my gear as well which didn't help so i was only relying on the brakes so i overcooked the brakes and i wasn't in gear so that you know it was it was like sadly it was a good night but i was i was very do you know i was so so disappointed i could feel little tears coming down my eyes because i knew you were there you were watching and you came up to to support me, which was amazing <laughs> having you there, Tim. It was amazing. It's we'll be seen on a future Love Cars show. We've got the whole story coming up on, on Love Cars soon. Okay, so I won't say much more there. Uh, yes, it'll be <laughs> on the main Love Cars YouTube channel, and please watch it and and just let us know your your comments uh, below because Tiff was the roving reporter. He was the Martin Brundle <laughs> of the Caterham Academy of pit lanes and, and all sorts. But Tiff, honestly, yeah, sadly, it, sadly, no cameras everywhere. But, but somewhat a spectator caught your moment of glory, I understand, which yes. you'll see on the, on the Love Cars tour. Yeah, but I mean, the got, battle, got, I mean, the racing, you're going to have such a fun year. I mean, the five up front that you should have been with. I mean, you, you, got, you almost got back to the leading bunch of five. You got so involved in your battle for six that you couldn't quite catch the front five. But they were just side by side and nose to tail the whole race. And... Uh, you're going to be in that bunch. And of course, now you're in a green group. They split the 50 cars into two. You're in the 25 car green group. Although in one race, you're all back together, 50 cars at Silverstone. Um, <laughs> the white group. They had a wet race, the white group oh, that followed late so- in the afternoon. I felt sorry for those guys. Um, those guys. So just very quickly, the green group results. Jeff Newman, uh, Chris Fraser came second, who was the pole position. And then Mark Vin Jones, who was the Caterham entry. Um, because they do a ballot every year and somebody from Caterham goes in. I was so pleased with Mark. He's a yeah. lovely guy. He he qualified eighth and finished third, so I was very pleased with him. And in the white group, God, they had some bad luck. The heavens opened for them. I felt so bad for them, but it was um, uh, William James won that. Charlie Lower came in second and Benja Headley, I think his last name is, Benja Headley, he's a lovely guy as well, uh, came in third place. Uh, my little tip, Harry George didn't quite get there on that one, but I'm sure he'll get on the podium soon. But uh, it was brilliant to watch them as well. Completely different race to us. But the whole thing was amazing. And it was very special having you there. Thanks for coming to watch. <laughs> you made me proud. You made me, I, was, I was there. I was emotionally involved. <laughs> it was... 
<laughs> it was brilliant going into Parc Ferme afterwards. It was amazing seeing everybody. But I felt really quite bad because everybody was so happy and, and so cheerful and, and big smiles on the face. And all I kept saying was, am I allowed to say this on a podcast? B-O-L-L-O-C-K-S. B-O-L-L-O-C-K-S. It could have been me. Yeah, it could exactly. have been me. That was, that was all I was... But, but, but I, still, I, I had a big smile on my face as well. So please watch the video. Um, it's a lot of fun. And there was, yeah, there was quite a bit of uh, very interesting overtaking <laughs> over those periods of time because it's so close. There's so many good drivers in the white group and the green group. There's, you know, everybody's so equal in this. It's, it's amazing. Where, where are you next? Is it ne where's next up yeah. for Kate? How long do you have to wait to make amends? Only a couple of weeks, then we're to Knock Hill in Scotland. So a couple of weeks we'll be up there. So I, I'm wonderful. I, I, none of us can can wait for it. We're all on a group chat together, and I encourage you if you want to get into motor racing, try this. <laughs> if you're in the UK, it is absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Um, people are it sharing is. stories and. Um, I'm sorry about knocking your wing off. I got a little bit close here. It's, it's absolutely brilliant. Sharing bits of in-car footage of people going off. But anyway, enough of that. Watch the video, please, uh, probably on Friday. And we'll take a trip over to um, the Indy qualifying over the pond, uh, which was quite exciting with, um, with Scott. Yeah, from, pole position. from one of the slowest type of race cars to <laughs> the fastest race cars. Yeah, Indy qualifying, it's a whole weekend of drama. Again, the Americans do drama so much better than we do with either NASCAR or IndyCar. And it was just a qualifying weekend. You know, Saturday they, they did the all 35 ran and the, the top nine would go into the fastest nine and the bottom five had to go to the slowest five. So there's drama at the front, drama at the back. Um, Scott Dixon, you know, the six-time 40-year-old, six-time champion 40-year-old, uh, sought out the young guns. This year's been a little young guns. They've been winning. And uh, Colton Herter, who was, who's won, and so was Renus Vico as well, they, they came second and third on the grid in this um, fast nine. And you look at the times. I mean, Scott Dixon took pole at 231.685 miles an hour average for four laps. No. It's crazy. It's hard to. Herter was second. He, he was 231.655 instead of 0.685, and Renus VK 231.551. And it was just so dramatic as it built up. VK had a little bit of a wobble at 230 miles an hour. The comment, the people that knew it, the drivers that know what he did, just can't believe he got away with it. Because the day before, uh, it's Palu, isn't it? Alex Palau, Palau Plu, who won at India, another young gun, the Spanish young gun. He was going out to try and prove his time on Saturday afternoon. He had one of these little wobbles and just ended up smearing the side of his car at 230 miles an hour into the into the unforgiving walls at Indy. And um, they rebuilt his car overnight. He came out of the fast nine. I think he's called for about seventh of the race. But just a drama at the front. But that's preceded by the drama at the back. Because when you had the six-time champion, you know, up the front, you had the 2014 champion, Will Power, in the five slowest cars on Saturday, having to go out to be one of the three fastest out of five, what they call a bump session, uh, bump day. So, you know, Power's out there, and he qualified what he scraped in 32nd at only 228.353 miles an hour. That's embarrassing. So an average, he, should be, he should be in embarrassed with those sort of speeds <laughs> yeah but I mean, but amazing he, he did that time uh, coming out of turn four on the or was it turn three I don't know which turn it was on but turn four he, he scraped the wall he actually hit the wall with the rear tire 
was that safer barrier wall, which does give a bit when you hit it. And he just kept his foot in, just finished the, the four laps in order to qualify. Um, so he's 32nd on the grid. Well, uh, Simona Sil the Silvestro, a good one for the ladies, managed to scrape and got the last spot on the grid. So beat two guys in, in that the slow five to make it to the start next weekend. Um, they've got this almost this Pareto Autosport team, and they're trying to get as many women uh, running, engineers, mechanics, the tyre stops. They, they're hoping to run the female crew. They've still got some men in there also trying to keep the speed up. So a fantastic story there. So the greatest story at the pole, an equally great story at the back, you know, with Simona getting onto the grid in the last spot. So, so much drama. And, of course, next weekend it is the race itself, the big 500, where there's going to be more overtaking than uh, 10 seasons of Formula One. Um, so I do love watching it. I mean, you know, again, it's pedestrian. Sometimes in the middle they'll go, all, you know, single file for maybe, you know, 40 laps, and then it all starts kicking off. And, um well, so they do, yeah, they, I mean, do, so much they do milk it a little bit over there, don't they? They uh, they they milk yeah. it a little bit and you know get some ad breaks in, <laughs> a bit of advertising <laughs> here and there, drinking a bit of Pepsi and Coca Cola. But it is. It, I always love when they you know in for a new, in for a, they don't come in to refuel. They come in for a new tank of Sunoco premium fuel. The commentators <laughs> are even using the train names, a new set of Goodyears and uh, Firestones. Uh, very good. But so, no, I love I love it. It's just a huge build up. The whole of May in you know, Indianapolis. Yeah, very exciting. Let's pop back over to to um, UK because uh, British GP GT this weekend wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, good yeah. weekend. And British Brands Hatch Grand Prix circuit always dramatic, always great to go and watch. Uh, Lamborghini came out on top with what was Aston Martin second, another Lamborghini third, then two Mercs. It all covered by sixteen seconds after two hours of racing and plenty of drama, That's a bit of nudging and nerfing. That, that really a, is fantastic. Go really watch. Is people watch BTCC, but I mean, I think you'll get equal fun taking a day out and going and watching a British GT weekend. Well, um, I, I got a small confession to make. I was I shouldn't say this, but because I've got so much work to do, but I've got a, a Katem have invited me to Brands Hatch tomorrow with a the driver coach. They obviously felt sorry for me over the weekend. So I'm off to uh, Brands, but only on the indie circuit tomorrow, but I'm still looking forward to that. That'd be good fun. Um, so that was good. Yeah, I agree. The uh, uh, Good to see Lambo. I didn't realise there was 16 seconds. Uh, uh, was, was Yeah, top five. Oh, close stuff. Two yeah. driver racing. Yeah, they were driver pit stop and stuff. Then, of course, NASCAR, which kept me up until about three o'clock this morning. You're mad. NASCAR. Well, it was such good racing. I mean, again, oh, I mean, just the heavens opened after two laps. Uh, and, you know, this was a Texas Grand Prix at the Circuit of Americas, of course, where Formula One cars go. But, I mean, these big muscle cars, you know, 40 cars on the grid trying to get around soaking wet aquaplane circuit. Big old rainstorm, wasn't it? <laughs> and, but they were, well, they ended up with the spray on the straight, just hitting each other. Big, big shunts, flat out 150 miles an hour on the, on the main straight, which just got more and more water on it. Um, and part of the problem was, of course, they don't have any lights, NASCAR. So they've got no rear lights, no brake lights. So they put a, a rain light, but they put it in the back windscreen. So there's still about three feet of car behind where the lights sort of beginning to flash in the gloom. Um, but we had this huge sun where Cole Custer and Martin Truex had already been to the back of someone else on the straight. Uh, and he was probably down to about 100 miles now. And Cole Custer came down the inside, still doing about 150, and just slammed into the back of Truex. He lifted it. He, he almost went under Truex and then went off to the side and hit the barrier again. And the huge whole front caught on fire with the oil going. And, you know, he gets out. They all walk away from it. But they then went out with the sweepers. 
red flagged the race for a while and took they, they luckily had their sort of um, oval water clearers and they cleared all the water off the main straight but the battling going on throughout the whole field was epic and Kyle Larson Needell the number five <laughs> was catching the lead towards the end oh but Elliot won again so when it got red flagged right at the end because the rain came and the aquaplaning came back on the main straight. Brilliant. But if you get to see it, if you look at the highlights, um, there was the most amazing scene I've almost seen. Kurt Busch locked up well before the braking zone, but probably he started braking at the end of the main straight. And he went between his brother. He was heading straight for his brother's rear boot. His brother moved an inch. Another car on his right. And he just almost hit both cars and just sailed straight on, all locked up into the gravel trap. I had to take, one, I I had to take one for the team on Friday, did the same thing. It was wet on uh, testing, final testing on Friday. And I had to take one for the team. I started breaking. I was never going to get around Gerrard's, which is the <laughs> longest corner in, I think, the UK. might even be the world, 156 metres. And uh, I just gunned it straight on. So I, I, I know how he feels. Not quite as fast. But uh, next week, they're back at, on an oval. They're back. Uh, they're going to Charlotte. Yeah, back on the ovals. Well, congratulations to Chase Elliott. But we know, having red flag, the number five lovers, Kyle would have caught you. But he never had the chance. Or maybe he would have crashed. What else yeah, they're is back on the next, ovals. Yeah, next week, um, we got... Um, MotoGP, well, uh, two of the two of the two of the best track racing. There'll be so much overtaking. If you watch the Indy 500 and the whole day of MotoGP from Mugello, Mugello, the most scenic circuit, Mugello Moto3, the kids coming down that straight, ten abreast into that great overtaking spot at the end. Uh, so there's going to be a wonderful entertainment. If you watch MotoGP from Mugello or IndyCar from uh, Indianapolis. Or, or um, extreme um, E, extreme. Uh, oh yes, yeah, sorry, I forgot the, that. I should have put that first. Really, the ocean, highlight of the weekend. The Ocean for, Grand Prix. The Ocean Grand Prix. Yes. Does that mean it's on water? Uh, well, no, I, I thought that at first. I, I thought, well, how are they going to race in the ocean? Um, <laughs> on sand. Well, it's at Dakar. We've already seen a lot of people. Those where they raced, 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 followed each other in a dust cloud. We'd already seen that. It's where the Dakar cars go and um, on the new Saudi Arabia course. But of course, the old days when Dakar used to be in uh, in Africa and go across to, to Dakar, they're, they're just racing up that beach and they're turning off the beach into sand dunes, which are sandy again. Let's, let's not, <laughs> let's definitely don't knock it. Let's watch it and let's uh, right. watch it next week. We'll look forward to I'm it. I'm not sure I'll have time to watch it, to be honest. If I've got MotoGP on all day and then the Indy 500, I'm. I'll have to fast forward through the... Of course, they're on Saturday, of course, so you can watch them on Saturday when nothing else is on. So give it a go. Give Extreme E a go. The boss thinks it's the most spectacular sport ever invented and it's the future. And I'm sure you'll see superstars clearing the beach of rubbish and then getting back in their V8 <laughs> SUVs to go back to the... Time... Um, wherever time they're going to live. Time to go. Okay, sorry. Yeah, okay, I won't go. No, all right. I'm sorry, watch Extreme it. E. Let's watch Formula it. E, I said Formula E was getting better. It suited Monaco. That was good racing. I'm not yet as happy with the progress of extreme. We should watch something that you are wax lyrical about in terms of uh, motor racing, in terms of uh, electric cars, which is Rallycross, electric Rallycross, which is live on our YouTube channel. So if anyone, if anyone stayed to the end of this podcast, thank you very much. Check out Tiff Nadell, if you haven't seen it already, in an uh, electric Rallycross car, which is... Rallycross, the formula where electricity works, because you can be flat out for a four-lap race and it's as quick as the petrol engine cars. Brilliant. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Cheers all.